Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Baby Bowl 2020 Week 11 Preview and Week 10 Review always with Rob Norton. How are you doing tonight, Mr. Robert Norton? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. If you are not following Rob Norton, you are making a big mistake. He is a DFS uh, aficionado. Is that a boy? That is a big word for me tonight. I'm I have been having a bad brain day all day long, so I have to apologize to both of you. I know I haven't introduced you yet, young man, who is our returning uh, uh, co-host here from the beginning of the year. But I have been having a bad brain day, so this is going to be a train wreck of a podcast, Rob. <laughs> I apologize up front. But you can follow Rob at Norton0723, and he does do a lot of DFS stuff. He's got a lot of great answers. If you're not following him yet, make sure you do. And you can follow me on Twitter as well, at Loafinit on Twitter. And don't forget to follow the show over at FI Today with a little underscore there. Now, Rob, we are talking to somebody again. It's always nice to catch up and reminisce with somebody who won earlier in the year. And this fellow won, I think it was around, what, week one, two, somewhere in there? I think, I think it was week one. I'm pretty sure he was the first one. Really? That, and, and you know, that was the first week I was talking to somebody. I was talking to Pierre earlier this week on the DFS Dreamer podcast. And I, I started looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive schedule. And I remember when we looked at it that the Pittsburgh Steelers faced the New York Giants that very first week. It was a Monday night game. I don't know if you remember all the way back then, but it just seems like yesterday. I know. It's 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 gone by uh, pretty quick. It really has. And this guy, he's been right up there in the top. He's been participating in the chat group that we have for the Baby Bowl and everything. We see him every once in a while. And I, I love whenever I see his tweets because he does a really good job on Twitter. Let me bring in Joe Solowski. Solowski, you, you told me before the show, and it's been a bad brain day. So, Joe, tell me again how to say your last name. Yeah, Solowski. Solowski. Now, see, the, what throws me off is you got the S-O-L-O and then a ski at the end. And, and Solowski. Yeah, Solowski. And then you said it was Solowski. Your family just kind of ran with it that way. So that makes me think that, like, you are in the north. I think you're from Cleveland or something like that, right? Well, my family's from uh, Scranton, PA. Oh, okay. Originally. So it's, yeah, a little bit, it's, you know, a little bit up there, north, uh, northern Pennsylvania. Um, right. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's actually pronounced Solowski, but we just run with Solowski because it flows off the tongue a little bit better. Yeah, if you're here in Alabama, I'd be really curious as to what people would say all the time whenever they saw your last name. Okay, <laughs> hey, Solowski, that's a Solowski right there. You know, that's, that's... <laughs> but you can find Joe over on uh, Twitter at the Fantasy Dad Ten at the Fantasy Dad Ten. And Joe, you are a two-time champion. Was it all the way back in Week One? Did Rob have a good memory on that? He did. Yeah, Week One. All right. Now, now, what took what took you so long to come back here? What was so challenging about the baby bowl to get all the way back here in first place again? You're telling me. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, you had a lot of confidence after week one, and then I've kind of just been. I think I only had one other top ten in between. I've kind of just been middling out a lot of weeks. Uh, it's tough though, because I mean, there's only seven spots, so. I think like I had Galladay the week he got hurt. He got me zero points. Yeah, you know, so I'm sure that happens to a lot of people too. But uh, that that I think plays into it. It's it's tough to you know be in the top five or ten, uh, you know, multiple weeks in a row. I agree with you. The injuries really do uh, kind of hurt you there from week yeah. to week, and then you can never use that person again. Right, so it yeah. makes it 
very unique. Uh, Rob, what do you think the challenge is uh, with, with trying to place in that top five? I, I mean, I, maybe I should answer the question myself because I, I think I've only, I may have flirted with that one time so far. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely tough. And like you guys were talking about, if you take a guy that gets injured, I mean, you're, you're well behind at that point. It, it puts you in such a hole for that week. Um, you know, it, when, when you look down like the winners lineups each week, they, most of them have almost every player hit. Um, I mean, there's, there's some where, you know, you'll get a guy with five points or, you know, something like that. And, uh, you know, but other, other than that, you got to have at most of your, most of your players hit and hit pretty well for, for you to be up there in that, uh, top five, top 10. Yeah, you sure yeah. do. Now, uh, Rob, since I have you here right now uh, talking, uh, can I ask you an update? Uh, give us an update on who is in the top 10 right now. And the, what is it? The top five get paid out this year, I think, from this uh, very unique uh, game that we're playing? Yep. Uh, top five get paid out um, along with um, what we've been doing is, you know, the weekly high score gets gets a bonus prize as well. Um, so, the top 10 on the standings, uh, as it sits right now, Matthew McCarthy still sitting there in first. Uh, oh, that, that's tough. Joe, Joe, can you believe somebody has been at number one for this long? Because he's been there forever. Yeah, because you, you'd think that, you know, one bad week where you, you know, maybe get 60, 70 points would knock you off that. But he's been, you know, steady just maintaining that. It's pretty impressive. It is. Who's number two? Yeah. You know, and, and to expand on that, it's funny because – He's he's been one where it's he he hasn't he doesn't have a single first place finish either and he's still in first place overall because he just constantly is getting top 5 top 10 almost every week it seems like and um you know we have we've had other guys um you know get get first place and uh they're near near last so um it's it's a de- definitely interesting but yeah moving moving on we have Steve Howard at number 2 uh, we have Jesse Clark, number three. Jacob Dunn is sitting in fourth. Justin Lay is in fifth. Joshua Cho in sixth. Oh, Cho, Cho it, dropped out of the top five. Yep, yep. I think he. Oh. I think he. I, I think he mentioned. I'm not sure if it was this week or last week that he had a little bit of a rough week, but I think it was this week because I'm pretty sure he was top five. You know, he had been top three for a while, and. Uh, so he dropped down a little bit. He so he's uh, you know, the one that's been moving up has been Jesse Clark. He's been steady. He's he was like top ten. Now he's all the way up to third. So oh um, last week's champion Ben Condilis, uh, he's in seventh. Dave Heron in eighth. Jason Polo in ninth, and then retired and wired, which is Kevin Starrett, is in tenth. Rounding out. Are you sure you didn't misspell loafing it anywhere in that top ten? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm, I think I misspelled uh, Rob Norton somewhere. But <laughs> no, I, I I had a rough week and dropped out. Yes, you did. Yes, you did have a rough week, and you hear me smiling, don't you? I mean, yeah. I don't know. You can't no, I, see I, me yeah, smiling. I hear it. 
do you hear it too, Joe? You hear me smiling? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> well, that's, well, hey, Joe, let's go over your lineup. And we always want to highlight the things that you did because you put together a great lineup. And each week, we all understand how tough it is to do that every week in the Baby Bowl. Uh, when and, and just in case people don't know, this Baby Bowl, if you're tuning in for the first time, is something that Rob Norton has put together to uh, help give to charity. March of Dimes is one of the things. But we also do a little cut of the pie for all the winners and everything like that as well. So it's been wonderful kind of a, a game that we're playing here from fantasy and it's a new perspective for me because it's a I, I call it a player elimination tournament and once you use the player one time you can never use that player again for the rest of the year and that's really terrible when it comes to you know starting uh, uh, George Kittle on the week he gets hurt like I did and so it kind of burns you for the rest of the year with George Kittle and you never get a chance to use him again but this week old old Joe you decided to start Tommy this week at quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah um kind of a funny story too i uh so i set my lineup earlier in the week just like looking through it late at night and just put players in and then i actually forgot until about 12 15 or 12 30 eastern time of uh sunday oh my and my wife was uh she went into like a bed bath and beyond so i was just sitting in the car waiting for her when i remembered and uh i remember i had like Alex Smith, like I had a bunch of uh kind of like riskier plays, and I was like, what am I doing here? So I was uh I just was like, you know what, Tom Brady bounced back. I'm just going bucks heavy with a buck stack, and then I filled in the rest. Okay, so that's the key. I'm gonna go find a better bath and beyond. Yeah, somewhere so around here. I just do it real quick, <laughs> you know, half hour before game start and <laughs> Hey, that's a good choice, though, to take uh, a mad Tom Brady, and you even paired him up with a Mike Evans and a Rob Gronkowski last week, so you kind of built a stack last week, and that really paid off for you, because they came out fast and furious last last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, now, Rob and I were not quite so fortunate with our quarterback choice. Rob, I, I can't, I, I gotta say, we made the right choice. He just didn't cooperate very well. Jared Goff, he just didn't cooperate at all. Yeah, man, I've been, you know, tweeting it out that the the Rams have been one of the most frustrating teams, probably the most frustrating team for me in t- in terms of fantasy this year. I was really high on them coming into the year. Goff last year, I believe Goff had the most pass attempts in the NFL um, over the past two years. I think he only trailed Matt Ryan when it came to pass attempts. And then all of a sudden this year, they become an extremely run heavy offense. And whenever they get a lead, they lean on, lean on those running backs. And that was something I did not expect at all after uh, getting rid of Gurley. So, and especially with the matchup this week um, with against Seattle, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they've been letting up more uh, points to QBs, more, you know, passing yards by far than, than anyone. And, um, you know, golf just, he didn't come through. No, he didn't. And what was it the week before, uh, Buffalo, uh, Buffalo passed all over him. And then this week it seemed like the Rams tried to run all over him. I think, I think Seattle's just getting punched in the mouth somewhere around there. Joe, Joe, you know who I started at quarterback. I didn't start a Rob Gronkowski. Oh no. I started a Gerald Everett for the Los Angeles Rams. I tried to pair him up with a Jared golf and it just, it just didn't work at all. Um, Everett, I think ended up with four points or something like that. It's how it looks so good on paper. It looks so it always, good on paper. It always does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and Rob paired up golf. He tried to build a stack with Cooper Cup and with Robert Woods. So you burned all three of those Rams guys last week, Rob. 
Yeah. So the idea for me was, you know, the, both of those guys, they're, they're kind of like the Seattle guys in the sense that they're hard to predict which one is going to have a great week. So mm-hmm. I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to go with both of them. Um, this, if, if, if it plays out, like I was thinking it would play out with golf, having possibly the most passing yardage and passing attempts, um, in any game he had this season, I was, which I, what I was hoping for that both of those guys would, would benefit huge. And I didn't want to try to get cute and try to pick the right one. So I was like, well, I'm going to kind of play it safe and uh, pick both of them and not have to worry about which one. And <laughs> boy, that didn't go over too well. <laughs> what, what did golf have last week? Does anybody remember oh, like, ten, like 10, 10 fantasy yeah. points? Oh, 10.48. Now two guys that two guys that Joe picked up at running back that really paid off well for him was Antonio Gibson and DeAndre Swift. Those great pickups there, Joe. Uh, you, you had them kind of battling each other out there in Detroit. I think they played in Detroit last week. Yeah, um, th- that was actually kind of a you know you don't really want to play two running backs in the same game usually because if you know a team gets ahead, then that running back, you know, I mean Gibson catches the ball a little bit too, but. Um, that was kind of where I just liked both matchups. So kind of to Rob's point with, um, you know, picking, you know, trying to pick the one, I figured one of these guys is going to have a good game and maybe the other guy will just get me, you know, 12 to 15 at least. Um, I just liked both matchups there. Uh, but then they both ended up, you know, panning out. I, I mean, Gibson got a little lucky. He had two touchdowns, didn't have a ton of yards, but he had the two touchdowns. Um, but Swift was really the, had the, was the one that really had the good game. Do you think that uh, Swift has kind of uh, they've they've let him take that backfield now that he's not I mean carry on Johnson he's just an afterthought and Adrian Peterson kind of looks like a a third wheel in that in that backfield and he doesn't even get that many touches anymore. Yeah, I hope so. I hope Patricia's smart enough to just roll with Swift because he's definitely the most talented. Yeah, he's the dual threat even in the backfield. Yeah. I went ahead and, and took McKissick last week because they've just been hitting him with so many targets. So that did pay off for me a little bit. I think he was the only one who scored maybe double-digit points for me last week in all this besides Jared Goff. But I, I took uh, McKissick, and he did really well. And I went ahead and rolled with Balazs in that – in that uh, what was it? He's, he had a game against Miami, his old squad. So that's kind of a revenge game there. And he didn't do too bad either. So you got to use those guys whenever you can. I didn't know how much longer I'd be able to use Balazs. I didn't know how much longer I'd be able to use McKissick either uh, going into later on this year. Uh, now, Rob, you went ahead and started Duke Johnson last week. Oh, man, that one tough. That was, that was burned. And and Robinson, you burned him last week with Jacksonville as well. He still had a good game, though. Yeah, that's that was the thing. So um, with Duke, I I kind of, you know, I didn't know for sure how long he, I mean, I know David Johnson got put on the IR before the game. So I, I really should have probably took taken Duke out and played someone else. Um, so that was a mistake on my part, but I liked the, I liked the situation and I thought he'd get a, you know, a good amount of work um, on the ground and in the past game. So I figured I'd go with him and, and with James Robinson, um, he had a decent game. Um, he had got 13.2, but um when it comes, when it came down to him, I, I knew he had a tough schedule coming up and I, Chris Thompson had come back recently and he was, you know, stealing, stealing some work. So, um, especially in the passing game. So I figured try to get James Robinson in there in a good matchup and see if he could do something. And 
He had a decent game. Yeah, he had a decent game. Duke Johnson had uh, uh, plenty of attempts, too. You know, he had 14 attempts and did mm-hmm. one target last week. But I think it was the weather conditions. And I think that was something that you said, Joe, in the chat room that you were kind of concerned about with Duke Johnson. Yeah, well, so I think the the theory is or is that a win game, teams are going to run a lot. Like the um, Cleveland played the Raiders earlier in the year. It was the same weather. It was basically like 40, 50-mile-per-hour wind gusts. Um I mean, Jacobs had a good game in that game, but I think it's like, yeah, they run the ball more, but at the same time, they can't, like the team knows they have to run because of the win. Um, so it ends up being like, kind of just cancels each other out in a way, um, which is kind of what I have seen just recently in these, you know, windier condition games. That mm-hmm. could be something just to keep in mind for the rest of the year as the weather gets worse. Now, yeah. for the rest, yeah. I agree. Oh, I was gonna say, if you don't mind me jumping in, I, oh, it um, he's Joe. Joe uh, is definitely onto something there. I I um, I don't know if anyone follows uh, Derek Cardi on on Twitter and stuff, but he he talks about the weather a lot, and he has a lot of historical data that he'll he'll put out. So I I follow you know a lot of the stuff that he says. He's he's you know got some really good models on it, and uh, you know he even he even has tweeted out a few times recently in the past few weeks because of the, the wind aspects that the exact thing that Joe was talking about, how, you know, the assumption is that teams will check down more and, and when they're in their past game. So a lot of people are, are like, okay, well, I want to, I want to play a tight end and I want to play the running back because they're shorter a dot targets. So people, people have that mentality, but you know, over, over the years, it's shown that it hasn't seen a boost in that, um, same thing with the running game. You think it's, it's, they're going to run more, but like Joe said, the defense knows that they know they can, they can stack the the box a little bit more. They know they can play the up towards the line of scrimmage a little bit more. And overall, really what you see in these games is just overall offense down in general and especially mm-hmm. passing offense. I mean, but overall offense down scoring's down. And you see that with, even with Vegas and the line movements, um, as the games get closer, the, the lines will, you know, get lower. So it is something, like you said, to keep in mind moving forward. You might want to just try to avoid them in general as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I do that a lot in my in my uh, DFS lineups too. I make a lot of adjustments based on weather when, you know, a lot of people try to just brush it off because they just see, oh, this is a great matchup. And that it, as long as it's not, as long as it's not, 30 mile per hour wins and you know I, I don't really care it doesn't affect it that much but you know it, it really does mess with it a lot I think so too especially if there's rain involved and the players really just want to get off the field at some point so they keep the clock rolling the referees don't call any holding penalties they don't do anything you know they just everybody's ready to get home and <laughs> yeah. get in the locker room and have a cup of tea or something like that hey so uh you rounded out your wide receivers core here with a with a bear you chose Anthony Miller. I'm sorry about that. I, I don't know if it was because I was hyping up the Bears. I got all giddy last week a little bit about the Bears. I chose Cordell Patterson because he was going to be a running back slash wide receiver, and I figured if I wasn't going to squeeze the juice out of him then, then I wasn't ever going to squeeze any juice out of him. And 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 did my uh, did his kick return count for my points? It, it should. It's I, I was going to say I think I think so. Well, he ended up with twelve. I can't tell. I don't. I don't yeah, know. So, that would have counted. I, and then I chose, I went with three running backs as well, Joe, and one of them was a bear running back, Ryan Nall. But that was a terrible mistake. 
<laughs> I thought if he's going to do something, it's going to have to be last week. Still trying to have that baby bowl projection in my head of, so we're going to run out of players here pretty soon. But then you chose Juju as well uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't know if you can go wrong in pitching, picking a Pittsburgh Steeler wide receiver at this point. They are throwing the ball all over the field. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I think we've like the last three games too. Their running game's been non-existent. So, I mean, even when they were up in that game in the second half, they were going you know four or five wide and just using like that short passing game as a run game essentially. Um, so yeah, moving forward, like if if that run game's still not doing much, um, you know, Juju, Deontay, Claypool, they're all going to see eight to twelve targets a game. So it might be you know, that they can support three wide receivers moving forward. Yeah, James Conner, it's it's his yards per carry that really has me concerned. I don't understand what's going on. 2.8 yards per carry. He had 13 carries last week, but only had 2.8 yards. The week before, 2.4 yards on only nine attempts against the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I mean, just, I don't, I don't, there's not the smash mouth football. And yes, Pittsburgh has always been a pass first team. It kind of seems like in our head, but they weren't ever afraid to run it whenever they had an opportunity with James Conner. But this year it's just not happening for him. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. For whatever reason. I mean, he started out the season pretty good. Um, if I recall, I mean, I don't know what the yards per carry were, like if he was, um, you know, efficient with it, but he, I know he was scoring a decent amount. Um, for fantasy besides week one when he, I, I don't know, got hurt or whatever, and then Snell came in. But, uh, yeah, just, you know, moving forward, I have no problem starting any of those three wide receivers. It's kind of like going to be a – I'm sure two out of the three will hit and one will be a bust uh, more likely than not. But, you know, there there's going to be weeks where all three hit. Yeah, weeks two and three against Houston and Philadelphia, he had a, a what, a 6.1 and a 6.6 .6. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Denver and Houston, 6.6 .6 and a 6.1 yards per carry. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're just trying to get all the wide receivers their stats before <laughs> it moves into bad weather, and they got to start yeah. running it a whole bunch there. I chose Amendola as my other wide receiver. And uh, let's see, uh, let's see, Rob, you ended up with Judy and TJ Hawkinson to, line, uh, to round out your lineup. Yeah, it was unfortunate. I was actually, early in the week, um, I had Juju in, and I kind of I ended up moving off him. Um, you know, the, the, even though the weather wasn't as bad, it still was like a little bit windy. Um, so I, I ended up just trying to play it safe, which didn't work out too well. And I mean, Judy didn't have a terrible game, but I went with Judy because I was thinking, you know, he was coming off of a monster game and I was hoping that they would uh, continue feeding him and, and, and as their main guy and he, they, they were playing in a dome. So I, uh, I went there and he, he finished with 10.8. So wasn't too bad, but wasn't great wasn't very good at all either. No, but it, that's a promising team moving forward. They, they score a lot of second half points, if not a lot of second half of the fourth quarter points, you know? <laughs> yeah. As I say, Drew Locke is a uh, garbage time all-star. Blake Bortles. He said he, he learned some things at Blake Bortles short time in Denver is what it was. Right. All right. <laughs> hey, let me remind everybody that they're listening to the Baby Bowl 2020 podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am with Rob Norton, who you can find on Twitter at Norton0723. I am also with Joe Soliski, a two-time champion here in the Baby Bowl. Now, that's that's pretty cool sounding, though, isn't it? I mean, I try to hype that up a little bit. It's getting into Ric Flair area, Joe. You're getting into Ric Flair area now. Uh, but two-time champion Joe Soliski, you can find him on Twitter at the Fantasy Dad 10 on Twitter. Don't forget to follow me as well at 
loafing it and also follow the show at FI today with a little underscore. If you could for me, head over to Anchor FM and find the show there or find the podcast there and uh, whatever listening platform you like listening to podcasts on, you can subscribe to it right there on the Anchor FM app. And then make sure if it's on the iTunes app, make, uh, slap those stars around for me, slap those stars around and then leave a review, leave a comment. Um, most importantly, share it with your friends. Now, listen, fellas, if you're like me, I'm always eyeballing those game totals, not only for DFS things, but also for players that I want to play in my redraft leagues and stuff like that, or maybe even players that I want to trade for. And Joe, I think you had a great question in our chat that I'd love to talk about here uh, in this podcast about some trade prospects that you had or a trade prospect that you had. Yeah. And uh, just from following Rob throughout the season, I know he hasn't been a, uh, a uh, big girly fan. Um, and I've, I've kind of held on to the belief that, you know, he had a nice schedule there in the uh, weeks, like six through nine, or I believe. Um, so I was kind of in the hold phase with girly um, while a lot of people were saying sell. Um, but yeah, recently, uh, you know, I'm looking toward uh, my one league, I'm seven and three. So I'm looking towards playoff scheduling. Um, and then, so the, the trade that I uh, presented to the chat was I offered Gurley for McKissick and Jarrett Cook. Um, I don't really need Jarrett Cook, um, but I just figured he's got Atlanta uh, two of the next three weeks. Um, and I have Hawkinson as my other tight end, who's kind of battling a toe issue right now. So just in case he can't go, I have Cook with good matchups to finish out the season. But um, yeah, just moving forward, like Gurley's, and it kind of just, you know, in general, you know, I'm wondering what people kind of do when they're in this position. Do they shoot for those playoff matchups or do they kind of just ride their team out? But, uh, you know, I was, um, you know, looking to get rid of Gurley because he has tough matchups coming up uh, with New Orleans twice. And then in the playoffs, he has KC, who they could be playing behind from a lot. And uh, I forget the other one, but it's another tough matchup um, in week 16, I believe. So. Um, I was just looking to improve that, you know, my RB2 there. That's, a, that's a good decision to try and do, I believe. But let me hear from the expert with Rob Norton, what he thinks about that trade. Yeah, I'm torn, I'm torn on it. I mean, I, I think, um, I think, you know, Joe makes a lot of good points with it. And um, Cook does have those two matchups with Atlanta. That's nice. Um, and, and McKissick, uh, he's a guy that, you know, obviously getting a ton of targets uh, with Alex Smith, and like I said, I, like he said before, I've never, I've not been a fan of Gurley. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still really torn on it. Basically, when I, when I, I keep looking it over, but um, you know, because there is, even though I don't like Gurley, um, he does have some value in the fact that he does, he is a running back and he does get a lot of, a lot of work, and you know, so on a, on a good offense too. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I, I, uh, here's my thought on it. McKissick. He's got about what, I, I don't know, uh, two games in him, and then he gets hurt. Something like that. <laughs> Typically, <laughs> you know, whenever he comes in and he substitutes in, in Detroit, he's probably a little bit more than that, but I just think an injury bug is waiting right around the corner for McKissick. And I know you can't play that way because, uh, Todd Gurley has been hurt in the past as well, but he has had a little bounce to his step. That team hasn't shown any quit in them, 
And I don't know if they're playing so they can keep that coach's uh, that interim coach. I don't know if they're playing so they can keep his job. I, his name slips my slips my mind right now. Um, Gurley Gurley's a good, successful, uh, reliable RB two right now. I guess you could say I, I, he's more than a flex. He's not quite an RB one. So I I think you got one in the hand, and I don't know if the two in the bush outweigh the one in the hand right now. Yeah, um, I'll just let you know. I I went ahead and accepted it, but I definitely hear. Uh, you know, the question marks around it. My my theory was, first off, I'm trying to get the bye for week 14. Uh, I know mm-hmm. Gurley has a good matchup week 14 against the Chargers, but then the next two are a little bit tougher. Um, so I figured if I can get the bye, then the girly, the good Gurley matchup doesn't matter. Um, and then McKissick week 15 gets Seattle. So, But like you said, it, there is an injury possibility. Um, but kind of got to play to either win or lose, you know, mm. go big or go home. Um, yeah. So he gets Seattle week 15, which they could be playing behind from the first quarter on. Um, and then I think he gets Carolina week 16, which is just a good overall matchup um, where I think he'll be involved throughout the whole game. So I kind of looked at it like that, where as Gurley, I'm like, I know he does get a lot of touchdowns, but if he doesn't get a touchdown in the game, his mm. max is like 10. Yeah. Um, whereas McKissick, if he doesn't get a touchdown, his floor is kind of like 10. So I figured, you know, I could potentially get a 20, 25 point week from McKissick if he, you know, throws a touchdown in there receiving. Um, whereas Gurley, I'm kind of, you know, capped at 80 yards and a touchdown kind of yeah. thing. So that's what I, that's how I looked at it, you know, kind of go big or go home. Um, it is my RB2. So I was like, no matter what, I'm kind of in the 10 to 15 range anyway, so I might as well shoot for like a 20, 25-point week. That's probably good thinking. You, you did make one huge mistake, though, as you were talking. You said the girly matchup doesn't really matter. The girly matchup always mattered in my world, my friend. <laughs> back back in the day in high school, the girly matchup always mattered, okay? <laughs> hey, let's preview these games a little bit coming up here, and let me pick your brains about who you're thinking about starting at, running back, uh, uh, quarterback, and wide receiver, tight end, tight end even, for the Baby Bowl. And our biggest games on the board, the Arizona Cardinal and the Seattle Seahawks game, which is Thursday night. we got a lot of great games on primetime, I guess, all by themselves and the one on thursday night arizona versus seattle that's of course going to be a very high-powered offense is just going against each other um i think that there's some injury concerns there though we'll address that here in a second the kansas city chiefs and the las vegas raiders as well are sitting at 56 and a half points and those are the two biggest dogs on the board green bay indianapolis is at 51 and a half i'm not sure if that one's going to make it quite to that 50 point mark with that indianapolis colt defense there and then we just have one other game that atlanta falcons and the new orleans Saint game sitting at 50 points and once again entry concerns may keep that game under that 50 point total so there's two games that I believe really look like they're going to score a lot of points this week um, are you guys let me ask you first Joe since you are our champion uh, right now our reigning champion oh too bad we can't have like one of those belts like the football teams do that you know where they give each other the chain or the or the belt or something like that and you guys can just hold on to it for a week That'd be cool. But uh, are you thinking about, do you have any quarterbacks left in the Arizona-Seattle matchup or in the Kansas City-Vegas match- matchup? Uh, I do have Mahomes left. Um, I've kind of been saving him for the perfect time. So I think I am going to roll out a Chiefs stack this week, especially with the Raiders defenders being on the COVID watch list. Oh, yeah. Um, 
so I think they're, I mean, they might, they'll probably all play, but it, they're at least not practicing for the whole week. So that can, can help. And then I, I just saw that two days ago, I think I saw, or yesterday on Twitter that the Raiders buses circled the chief stadium uh, before heading to the airport uh, when they won the first matchup. So I'll be happy to take Mahomes in a revenge spot there, especially when you, uh, you know, kind of rub it in his face that you beat him the first matchup. So I'm hoping that the uh, chief stack pays off this week. Oh man, I didn't, I didn't know that one. When we look from an individual point standpoint as well, the Steelers are are scheduled for around 31 points this week. They have the Carolina Panthers, so I guess they're not factoring in the Teddy Bridgewater news quite as much for 31 points as well, possibly for their point total. And the New Orleans Saints are for 34. Rob, are you looking at any of these guys for your quarterback, or what, what direction are you going in? Yeah, um, I'm I'm leaning towards the Mahomes one as well. I haven't used him yet either. Um, you know, I would love I would love to use uh, Kyler or Russ too. If if I've I've used both already, so um, I can't use them. But I'm I'm definitely looking at Mahomes this week. Uh, like like Joe said, they they uh, the the news about them, you know, doing a a literal victory lap. Um, mm-hmm around around the the thing this uh, last game so you know it's funny um i uh this the site i write for we have a group chat and they were talking about that today and you know there's a lot of raiders fans in in the group chat and the this the spin on it was so much different than what we're talking about and the spin on it was that the uh the chiefs were sore sore losers about it so i i found it funny um you know, listening to it because my first thought on it was that the uh, the Raiders were kind of sore winners and and the uh, they they treated it like their Super Bowl basically and uh, rubbed it in to them and so the Chiefs I think uh, I think it, it might have been Travis Kelsey that came out and said yeah apparently it was their Super Bowl or something like that and so you know it's on those guys' minds and you know I I do think that the chiefs and the homes come out and really put it to them this week. And plus that game's um, in Vegas and it's in a dome. Um, so you're not gonna have to worry about weather. And I really think Mahomes has a, has a monster day. So I'm, I'm thinking about rolling a uh, chief stack out there too. Kansas City's coming off a bye week, I believe, as well. So that can make things a whole lot better for the Kansas City Chiefs as they prepared last week. I want to make make sure I mention that the Minnesota Vikings are slotted in here off the odd shark NFL scores uh, for 40 points, 40 points this week as well, going up against the Dallas Cowboys. Not a lot of respect there. I really started trying to think about putting in a Pittsburgh stack as well, going against those Jacksonville Jaguars and how pass happy the Pittsburgh Steelers are right now. And I. I have not used one single one of them yet. I don't think I, I may have, I, I might've used Juju. I, and so I, I have those guys though at my disposal and I thought, boy, before the weather gets bad, I might want to pick on those Pittsburgh Steelers offensive players, at least, at least the wide receivers and the quarterback, you know, cause you never know how either, how long Ben's going to be playing. He's, he's due for an injury right around the corner too. Um, so I'm factoring, I got way too many things in my baby bolt calculator. Don't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 tough because they like you said like the Steelers they have a good matchup. Um, I can never figure them. They they have been more pass heavy lately, and um, you know that's that's the part where I was expecting the past couple of weeks I was expecting Connor to have big games. So 
I don't know. <laughs> it makes me nervous because, you know, like you said, it's hard picking between them. Some weeks, all three could, all three receivers could go, could have a good game. And um, so, I mean, but <laughs> just knowing that any, any week Connor could get right too. And then the whole passing game would be down a little bit uh, has me a little bit scared, but I think they all, I, I wouldn't blame anyone for playing any part of the, the Steelers this week. No, and I and 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 doesn't Alex Smith look a little bit appealing, Joe, this week coming off of how what he had like he threw the ball like eighty times last week, I believe. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually wrote him down as a you know kind of a, a lower uh, priced option for you know uh, DFS because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Cincy. I mean, you can you can pass all all over Cincy, so uh, I kind of like you know the Alex Smith McLaurin uh, stack there. Um, and then another, I like Ben as well. Um, and then there's our boy Jameis Winston uh, <laughs> going against Atlanta. Um, he can't kind of, you can't write off. You know, he could easily go for 300 yards, two touchdowns, and of course three interceptions. But you know, that'll still get you some points. I suppose you. I suppose you could. I hear a lot about Jameis Winston right now, and I. I understand. I did watch that game though, and when he came into the game, you know, the New Orleans Saints offense is a disciplined offense, and I. I if I said Jameis Winston is going to go into a disciplined offense and perform well, that just usually that I've never uttered those words before, and I don't. Yeah. I don't know why I would utter them now. <laughs> It's it's fun. It's funny you mentioned that because I'm so torn on on Jameis because I loved Jameis last year. Like obviously last year, you know, he put up the 5100 5, yards, 33 touchdowns, and obviously 30 30 picks too. But he finished QB three, I think, in just in your kind of standard scoring, um, quarterback scoring. So. I, I, you know, I, I've always been a long, a long, a proponent of like the interception doesn't hurt you as much as people kind of think it does in standard QB scoring. And actually it's almost welcome if you do it earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. And so Jameis was just that guy that always, he'd throw that pick six early in the game or whatever. And then they'd get down and he'd throw it 40, 50 times a game. And as you mentioned with the Saints offense, I'm so torn because it is disciplined offense. So I, I do, I, you know, the first thing I think of with Jameis, as does everyone else, is a gun, is a gunslinger, a guy that's just gonna throw it. He doesn't care, you know, just do whatever he wants. And but I don't know if we're gonna see that same guy in this offense. So it it scares me a little bit. The matchup is right. They're in, you know, facing Atlanta. They're um, that game should be, you know, high scoring, and you know they're they're in a dome. And he's got weapons, so it sets up nice. I'm just concerned if they're going to let him loose. Yeah, well, I and I know the Atlanta Falcons as well, and I watch them each and every week. That's down here on the television each and every week, and uh, I get to see them. And they have just been playing on defense like like their hair's been on fire. Okay, mm-hmm. that's just what they've been running around. They've been very aggressive. They've been trying to play really, really hard. They go after turnovers like crazy. They forget the tackle. They go after turnovers so much. Mm-hmm. And which in Sean Payton's offense, you know, you have that offense where it, it is everything under that 10, 15 yard mark. And will Sean Payton adjust to Jameis Winston? 
I don't know that he will because I haven't ever necessarily ever seen him adjust. I don't know if he has another playbook in his repertoire. He had Teddy Bridgewater last year, and Teddy did just about the same things Drew Brees did, just in a more condensed level. And I don't know if Sean Payton is going to be able to adjust to Jameis Winston's style of the deep throw because last week Jameis Winston when he came in the game and I mean it was a good sample size it was almost the entire second half I believe and he just looked completely uncomfortable back there there was no rhythm to the offense I saw Alvin Kamara jumping up and down a couple of times while the play was going on of throw it to me throw it to me and and Jameis Winston didn't even look at him and Jameis Winston didn't even look at him the next play either you know, so I just think that Jameis looked very uncomfortable. I'm staying far away from Jameis Winston, and I'm inviting everybody for the Baby Bowl to go ahead and play Jameis Winston this week. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's my personal take on it. I fell in love with Jameis Winston as well last year as a fantasy player, uh, and, and he did really great for a lot, of, a lot of the great teams that I had last year. But I'm just not buying it in the New Orleans Saints system. Mm-hmm. That's that's my personal take about it. Uh, look at running backs. I talked about the Minnesota Vikings having that 41-point total. And against the Dallas Cowboys, you, you got to think about t- putting Dalvin Cook in there, don't you, Joe? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just being a run-first offense, Dallas has been gashed most of the year. They've had a couple uh, – the Steelers game, they got ahead. And, you know, like you said, Connor was uh, slowed that game. Um and then the Eagles game, Wentz just turned it over four times, so they couldn't really get to a run game either. But, you know, more or less, their their defense has been gashed on the ground. Um, so, yeah, you got to look at Cook as, a, as an option there. Um, and it could be one of those, you know, 200, two, two touchdown games for Cook, too. You know, something that can really, uh, you know, win you a week. It definitely could. I don't know who else to really play this week because so many backfields, either you have injuries or they're just sharing so much time back there. Rob, can you put any clarity on who people should be starting in the Baby Bowl this week? It's tough. Um, You know, obviously, if you haven't used Dalvin, Kamara, um, obviously those guys are studs. And, you know, we're getting closer to the end of the year, so, you know, for the people who have been saving the studs now, you know, is when you're going to want to start rolling as many out as possible. I mean, we got what, 16 weeks left. So um, for those who have been using higher end guys, um, you know, a couple of guys I'm looking at this week are guys that are, you know, that had nice games last week and look like my, they might have the full workload is uh, that Salvin Ahmed and mm-hmm. Kalen Balage. So, you know, I'm I've used a lot of like high end running backs for the most part. I mean, I still have McCaffrey, Chubb, Mixon, uh, guys like that left. Um, but you know, I still need to use at least 12 over these next six weeks. So I still need to, you know, salvage some, some players. And, you know, I'm looking at Ahmed and Balage. Um, I never thought I'd ever be looking at them. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but, yeah, they, they, they both played well last week. Balaj played well the previous week, too. Um, and both both have uh, some pretty decent match. I know Balaj is playing the Jets, I believe. And mm-hmm. so that, that, that's, a, that's a nice matchup and a game where they could get ahead or should get ahead. And, and uh, he could probably get another 15 to 20 touches. And he showed he was involved in pass game, too, last week. And um, then Ahmed, it got... I think 20 plus touches last week as well. And uh, they're playing against Denver. Who's not a, not very, a very strong team in, in, in general either. So, 
Um, I'm, I'm looking at both of those guys as uh, some guys to save, save, uh, save a few more of the guys for the following weeks. Sure. And I, I, you can't pass up the New England Patriot backfield either at this point mm-hmm. going against those uh, Houston Texans. They've, the Houston Texans let everybody run on them. And Damian Harris really has solidified his spot as that starter. I know he's got a questionable tag right now, but I think New England puts questionable tags on all their starters. I think that's a badge mm-hmm. of honor. I think that means you are not like a team captain if you get a questionable tag in the New England Patriot practice week. I believe at Rex Burkhead, he might mm-hmm. be another name people want to use now because he's just found his way into the end zone. I think he's Joe. Am I reading that right? Where he's like more of the red zone back? It seems like than anybody else. Just from watching the uh, games, it seems like that as well. Or Harris is kind of the in between the twenties guy with Burkhead, you know, mixed in obviously. But yeah, when they get in the red zone, it seems like Bill trusts Burkhead the most down there. Um, so yeah, I I actually wrote down they're not individual players, but because it's hard to pick, but someone from the New England backfield is probably gonna have a good game. And someone from the Colts backfield versus Green Bay, who's one of the worst run Ds in the league, is probably going to have a good game. It's just you got to pick the right one, which is the hard part. <laughs> yeah, I think with Detroit, and I know you picked Swift last week, and you you hit the bonus one there, and I th- I hope he has run away with it because I kept waiting for somebody mm-hmm. in like a Detroit backfield or an Indianapolis backfield to get hurt so I could play him in baby bowl just to give me a little more clarity of who I needed to play, which doesn't always work out. But I think DeAndre Swift, he ended up uh, running away with that backfield now. And, and to be honest with you, I think Naheem Hines has kind of said, this is my backfield. And I think Phillip Rivers even, it, it just feels like he looks like a, a, a more comfortable quarterback whenever Naheem's Hines, Naheem Hines is back there in that backfield. Am I reading that right, Rob? Yeah, that's what it, it seems like. You know, he, you know, heading into the year, you know, it was a big deal made out of, um, you know, how Rivers checks down to running back so much. And Hines was kind of being pegged as, as the Austin Eckler type. Uh, guy for that backfield so and uh he's he's been you know inconsistent up and down he had that great first week and then he had an, um i think one week that was pretty solid and then he was pretty much non-existent until last week and it it just seems like it seems like with that backfield they're just going with the hot hand like legitimately actually going with a hot hand and they're starting off the game whoever seems to be more effective they're just going with that guy the rest of the game but I do agree with you that it does seem like um, Rivers has been a little bit more comfortable with with Hines. I think they have a run pass option whenever Hines is in there and the, keeps the defense on their heels a little bit more. And whenever mm-hmm. Taylor's in there, it kind of seems like they're going to run the ball. And whenever Wilkins is in there, it seems like they're going to go backwards. So that's the way I kind of read that backfield. Hey, Joe, I know you had your eyes on that game last week, that Tampa Bay game. And I'll tell you what, I, I pull for old Rojo. Uh, the, all year long because he, mm-hmm. he was always that guy who was – it was going to be his backfield. It was going to be his backfield. Then they brought Lenny Fournette in there, and it kind of got taken away from Ronald Jones Jr., and he, he was fumbling the ball a lot, and he even fumbled the ball last week early in the game, and they stuck with him. And I'll tell you what, when he had – I was so happy somebody had a 98-yard run, and I didn't have him at baby ball. I didn't have any shares of him or anything. But I was just thinking that point right there, that, that play right there might be the turning point for uh, Rojo's season. Yeah. Uh, no, I've, uh, I wasn't a Rojo truther, uh, per se, before the year, but I had him ranked like around 16 to 18, I think, in my preseason rankings. Um, so I, I definitely liked his running style. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hope, hopefully that Arians kind of sees he, I mean, he is the better runner than Fournette. 
Uh, Fournette probably does have, you know, better hands and can catch the ball better. But, um, yeah, I mean, moving forward, like, if you if you think Tampa's going to win the game and be ahead most of the game, I think, you know, Rojo's going to get 15 to 20 carries. So, uh, you know, hopefully that continues because I, I do. I, I pull for him as well. He's, you know, kind of had a lot of doubters his first years in the league. So it's nice to see that he's, you know, worked at it. He put on uh, – he gained weight. Um, which sometimes isn't good for running backs, but for him, it seems like he's been able to carry it well. So, uh, yeah, I'm pulling for him as well. And I think, you know, rest of the season, he's kind of has that uh, RB1 uh, tag with him as far as the Bucks go. Definitely. And he's he's definitely the more elusive back. Leonard Fournette does not get out of anybody's way, and he doesn't run over anybody either. Uh, he just he, he falls down. He stinks. He stinks. <laughs> He falls down. Rojo's out there dancing around and, and moving. And I it, it definitely you could tell he's got to be a great pa- practice player as well. And it's got to be clear on those guys eyes that that Rojo needs to be that guy. All right, Rob, we're always looking for good matchups for wide receivers. And sometimes it, it gets crowded back there in the wide receiver room as well for a lot of different teams. We have the Arizona and Seattle matchup, of course, and the Seattle back uh, defensive backs are just terrible. The Dallas defensive backs are just terrible. So we can fire up all those wide receivers with confidence from Arizona and Minnesota, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I don't think any of them would be a bad play. Honestly, you could play Justin Jefferson, Tyreek, or I mean, uh, sorry, uh, Justin Jefferson or uh, um, Adam Thielen. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could, you could go with DK Metcalf or, or Tyler Lockett. I know Lockett's coming in a little bit banged up, but this was the game, you know, he had a monster game against, Arizona last game and I do expect Patrick Peterson to see or uh, to guard Metcalf for most of it and he did a pretty good job uh, locking him down last time um, I was reading some things it was kind of like more situational than anything um, I don't I I wouldn't be worried about using uh, Metcalf if you wanted to go to Metcalf um, but there is like uh, at least that little bit of concern so you know I, I'm I Definitely like those plays as well. And another one I, I kind of had to slip out because it's the guy I'm looking at is Tyreek. Um, you know, as we mentioned before with that KC and uh, mm-hmm. Las Vegas game, I, I think I really think that they're just going to. And uh, so I, I'm I haven't used Tyreek yet. I'm leaning towards using him. And um, so he's he's another good one. Another great matchup on DraftKings, anyway, the way they have it projected, is those New Orleans Saints. And I, I personally, once again, I would stay away from all those guys. And Michael Thomas just hasn't come up to game speed yet. I'm not sure what's going on. I will say this. Let's just say let's just say that Sean Payton says, man, we got to change this up a little bit. I'm trying to think of who would be the deep play for uh, the New Orleans Saints and Jameis Winston. You know, who's the guy who's going to run 30 yards, 40 yards downfield, and Jameis is just going to start chucking it to him? Is it Torrey Smith? Is it that little fellow, Damian Harris, I think his name is, or I'm probably thinking Deontay Harris. Uh, and and I, don't, I don't know who it would be because uh, they don't have Ted Ginn. If it was Ted Ginn Jr. still in a New Orleans Saints uniform, I would say it's Ted Ginn week right now. But, Joe, he's not there, so i got to stay away from all those New Orleans Saints. Yeah, um, I actually – like I agree with you on the Jameis take where they could be conservative with it, or he might be conservative, which isn't necessarily his best game. Um, but I, I kind of like Thomas just for the fact, like he, he hasn't had a breakout game yet. He's still, he's still Michael Thomas. I know he's coming off 
you know, the little bit of the injuries. Um, and I think if Jameis isn't comfortable, he could still just lock on to the number one, which is Thomas. So even if it's intermediate passes, I could see Thomas catching 10 to 12 balls this game. Um, and maybe like Breeze doesn't throw deep that much, but maybe that could help Thomas. The fact that Jameis is willing to throw mm-hmm. that. Um, and Thomas, Thomas will go get it. Like he's got strong hands. So if Jameis wants to force in some deep balls, some back shoulder throws, you know, 20 yards downfield. Uh, I think I like Thomas more than I like playing Jameis. Cause I, I agree. Like Jameis is, is risky as far as, you know, first game, you know, kind of see how Peyton plays it out with him. But, uh, I like Thomas this week. He's going to have a 20 point week eventually. Um, yeah. so I'd rather, try and get it when nobody else wants to you know i'd rather try and play him when nobody else wants to play him like everyone's wants to see thomas perform before they actually either play him in dfs or play him in baby bowl i want to try and get him the week before everyone else catches on and wants to play him so i i like thomas this week personally um i think smith is hurt if i read that correctly today he might not play so if you don't want to play thomas uh that callaway I forget his first name, Marquez, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been pretty decent with Breeze. So if you want to go for like a long shot in DFS as a, you know, a low salaried guy, uh, Callaway would be a good shot too. Um, you know, maybe he'll catch a deep ball from Jameis. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. All right. You're trying to be sneaky about this. I like it. I, I love all the thoughts that people put in it. And that's what's been one of our favorite things each week, being able to talk to people and hearing their different perspectives on things. But I don't like it because, my, like I said, I got tons of things in my baby bowl calculator and I don't need to complicate things anymore, Rob. I just don't need to complicate them. Uh, in that Baltimore backfield, they're going up against Tennessee. Tennessee lets up a lot of air yards um, each and every week through the, and and that seems to be something that it would seem that uh, Hollywood Brown would excel in. But right now, that looks like a Willie Sneed wide receiving core, and I think he has the eye of Lamar Jackson and the trust of Lamar Jackson as well. Yeah, it's it's so it's so tough. Uh, Hollywood was a guy that I was big on heading into the year, and I thought you know being healthier, putting on a little bit more weight and still being explosive and in that offense, like they were going to take another step and it just hasn't happened. And like you said, Sneed's been kind of, kind of there doing, doing his thing too. And um, I think for me personally, I'm, even though it's a good matchup, I think I'm avoiding all of it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can, I can trust any of anyone in that, Thing. I know like how Joe was saying you want to be kind of, he he was kind of wanting to be ahead on on Michael Thomas and I'm I'm with him on that because you know I, I do think playing Michael Thomas could be a, a sneaky good play this week and both DFS and baby bowl but with with that Ravens pass game I, I don't think I can go there mm-hmm. uh, one one guy that I'm like really on and I've actually liked for a little while now is uh, Jacoby Myers and mm-hmm. you know he's getting a massive target share from cam right now and um he's just been producing every week for the past like four weeks i think now and uh you know he's he's a guy that um you know he's always it seems like he's done well when he's given been given the chance and you know he's he's produced double digit points for the past four weeks now he's been getting um 
I think six was his lowest targets. He got like six, seven, 10, and 14 in the last four games. And they're going against against Houston. And that's a team that, you know, is a bad defense and they're going to be at Houston in a dome. So they're going to have to, they're probably going to have to pass a little bit because Houston is a good offense. So uh, Myers is a guy that I'm eyeing up. I could see that. I could see a lot of those Washington wide receivers as well. Uh, you can fire those guys up, I think, with confidence as long as they're throwing the ball. Uh, like I said, 80 times, I think, last week is what it was. I know it was only 40-something, but they sure did throw it up, throw it a lot. And, guys, I don't – that Rob, can I? Can we put defenses and tight ends in the same group this year uh, for the rest of this year? Because when I look at tight end situation, I am just not happy anymore because nobody is in there. I am so thankful, though that I still have Travis Kelsey in my back pocket and I could fire him up this week and I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to put my Travis Kelsey slippers on and I'm just going to watch TV and giggle like a little schoolboy. Uh, who, yep. who are you looking at Rob and, uh, in, in tight end situations? Yeah. I mean, I've already used Kelsey, so I don't, I don't get that luxury. <laughs> um, yeah. Kelsey's been insane in a, in a bad position that, I mean, it's just been so bad. So, um, Darren Waller, uh, I'm I'm looking at Darren Waller this week. I kind of want to, you know, like I like I said before, I really do think that Casey's going to really put it to uh, the Raiders this week. So I'm expecting, you know, the Raiders to be down and throwing a lot, and Waller is always is generally their main um, main guy each week when they're getting uh, when they're playing from behind. So that's that's where where I'm looking at. Um, I also I don't mind Austin Hooper against Philly. Um, he's been seeing some decent targets. Um, Dallas Goddard as well against Cleveland is another one that's that's uh, that's solid. And Hayden Hurst in that game against uh, New Orleans in the Dome. Those 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 guys are kind of like on on the top of my radar with with Waller. Um, I'm not sure if I want to wait a week or two on Waller if I want to you know, go ahead and uh, throw them out in this one, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Joe, you got the short end of the stick because I think Rob mentioned every tight end that I didn't mention. So there's not a lot of tight ends left there, uh, but I will mention one and see if you agree with him. Uh, Logan Thomas for the Washington football team is going up against those Cincinnati Bengals, who would be the 31st worst defense on DraftKings against tight ends. And he's getting a lot of targets. I believe he's averaging probably close to six nowadays in that what seems to be a high-powered offense nowadays. Yeah, Uh yeah. First off, yeah, Rob mentioned uh, the three tight ends I wrote down besides uh, <laughs> in uh, Hurst, Hooper, and Goddard. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I like Logan Thomas against Cincy. Uh, the only other tight end I wrote down to was Jared Cook, um, just because Atlanta's, I think, 32nd against tight ends. Uh, and if Jameis is playing, I think Jameis, too, in, in Tampa, he like the tight end before Arians got there with mm. Brate and Howard um, in Howard's first or second year. Uh, he targeted the tight end a decent amount. So, um, I, you know, I'm not going to play Cook, but I, you know, I don't hate it if you're, uh, you know, stuck with him or if you want to, you know, kind of be contrarian in DFS. Uh, and, you know, Cook could be a decent play. But, yeah, back to Logan Thomas. Um, yeah, I mean, Alex Smith, you know, he's always kind of been a check down guy. Um, to to our to my point with McKissick, you know he's been targeting him recently. But uh, yeah, I like I like everyone in that Washington passing game. McK- uh, McKissick, 
uh, Gibson out of the backfield, Thomas and McLaurin obviously has been money, uh, you know, throughout the whole year, no matter what the matchup is. So, um, yeah, Thomas could be a good play too. And like you said, his, his targets have increased in the, uh, you know, past two or three weeks. Definitely has. And I also think of uh, Rodney Rogers, and I know this is me. I'll think of the room here a little bit, but Zach Ertz is on his way back. He might have been uh, close to being activated from the IR. If he's not activated from the IR, that doesn't mean that he'll play there in Philadelphia. And Rodney Rogers, I believe he saw... I'm going to look at it real quick. Uh, five targets last week where Goddard didn't really shine all that much. The week before, he had eight targets. And somebody's got to try and catch the ball in Philadelphia against Cleveland. And that's a pretty good matchup for the tight end position as well as we try and find tight ends nowadays. That's like trying to find a uh, needle in a haystack. Now, now, you know, it just doesn't seem to happen anymore. Yeah. Kyle Rudolph, too. I got to mention Kyle Rudolph because he was very active and involved. And I think Irv Smith is still uh, nursing that groin injury that he had. And there's going to be a lot of points put up by Minnesota in Dallas this weekend. Joe, great to have you back again, my friend. You did a fantastic job. I can't believe you've won this thing twice. And I barely finished in the top 10 once, I believe. So can I just... uh correct you real quick um richard rogers i i believe rodney rogers was a lefty power forward for the mavericks maybe for a little bit a bunch of teams but i think he was an nba player rogers yeah yeah, i think you're right you're probably right i got i got you like a muscled up muscled up power forward uh in the 90s early 2000s (laughs) No, it's totally Richard Rodgers, and I can tell you he played with Green Bay. I can yeah, see him yeah. catching touchdown passes against my Bears, and and I probably those two those two probably melted in my mind somehow, some way because Richard Rodgers is that muscular guy as well, yeah. um, and and you know he just kind of plays like a basketball player when you look at that tight end position uh, a little bit for him. I would have let it go, but if you mentioned if you said like Robert. Rogers or something, but Rodney Rogers, I believe, is the NBA guy. So I had to say something there. <laughs> I'm gonna have to Google that one now just to see what Rodney Rogers was. The name sounds so familiar, and obviously he's he's probably put 50 points up against my Bulls at some points. That's why I got him up to my mind too. <laughs> Good catch, Joe. Good catch. I'm glad somebody listens to me. <laughs> <laughs> but but great job putting together that lineup and by all means my friend um i think i think you should go with uh, Jameis winston this week i know that wasn't <laughs> high on your radar but i'm just gonna <laughs> encourage you to do so i uh, uh, don't be a stranger though i want you to come back again make sure you win another week so i can talk to you once again on the baby bowl 2020 podcast uh no i appreciate it thanks Evan. uh had a great time now, and make sure you follow Joe Slowiski over on Twitter at the Fantasy Dad 10, at the Fantasy Dad 10, and congratulate him on winning this week of the Baby Bowl. Rob, you've done a fantastic job again. I, I anticipate reading your article that comes out this third Friday. You usually put it out on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it should be out either Friday or Saturday. We'll see how much I get done tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, Joe, you know what he does? He always, you know, he, he slides it in every once in a while. Yeah, I, I'll usually get it over to my editor around Friday, and we'll see when he gets it back to me. And I'm going, man, he's got an editor and everything, you know, just big time in me, big time in me. No, yeah. That's good to hear. But, Rob, that, that DFS stuff is always great, and I love how you put up on Mondays and Tuesdays. You kind of uh, – maybe it's just on Tuesdays where you put up your uh, – how, how do you call it? Where people – you're being transparent, I believe, transparency stuff? Yeah, every uh, – it is – you were right. It is every Monday. Um, every Monday what I do is I go back through and I'll look at I'll look at the players that I recommended from the previous week. And, you know, I'll do a um, – 
a thread on Twitter uh, going over each player that I recommended and then what points they got and then what what their value was. So obviously, like if it was a five thousand dollar guy and he got 20 points it would be a 4x value so um and you know the goal is is, i I set it at a two and a half x uh goal and see how many you know i can hit and that way you know people not only does it help um me you know it helps me to learn and uh you know uh see where i made mistake possibly made mistakes or um things like that and see how i can get better but it also gives the people who read the articles, um, what the, like they can actually see how much I get right and wrong every week. And, you know, to be transparent, like you said. And, 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 uh, yeah, that's always a good thing to try. I can't remember that far back. So if I don't write everything down, which I try to, and then my girls will end up grabbing it and making a paper airplane out of it or something. So it's not, I don't try to avoid transparency because I am on this podcast telling you how terrible my lineups are each week for, for, for baby bowl. But, uh, uh, it's also on, on audio form. So you guys can always go back and check on things, but also just want to point out to you, Rodney Ritchie, or Rodney Rogers was a, a left-handed basketball player in the NBA from like 1993 all the way down to uh, 2004. So he had a pretty good long stint in the NBA. Played for a lot of different teams, a lot of different teams. One year though, he averaged uh, four, almost 14 points a game and five rebounds for the Phoenix Suns. So good call, good call by you, Joe. Great job. Nineties. Yeah. <laughs> Sports in general, but especially '90s NBA, that's my uh, sweet spot. Just watching the uh, Sports Center repeats. Oh, that's, the, the, <laughs> the '90s NBA is great. '90s yeah. NBA is great. I'm sorry, that's it's better than today's NBA. I I, I must concur Definitely. with you. <laughs> but uh, thank you for joining us on this edition of the Baby Bowl 2020 podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Make sure you follow Rob Norton over on Twitter at Norton0723. Also follow me on Twitter at Loafinit, and you can give me a hard time. I threw Devin Booker into the football lineup of the Las Vegas, into the backfield of the Las Vegas Raiders the, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, Rodney Rogers, I'm starting my whole basketball team here, <laughs> starting them on DFS lineups. But you can follow me on Twitter and give me a hard time at Loafing It on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore there where we post all the different people that are on the podcast uh, right underneath the bio. Make sure you follow them on there as well. And head over to Anchor FM. You can find the show there. Subscribe to the show. Like the show. Slap those stars around tell a friend but more importantly than all those actions by you fit fam we want to encourage you to go out into the world and find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today 